the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey everyone, welcome to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. I think last week we decided, no, not last week, because Thursday was Thanksgiving. The week before, I think we decided Thursday is your favorite day. Uh, I don't know that we determined that. I get I think, Wednesday and Friday. I think that I said it. Yeah. Thursday. Happy, true. happy favorite day, man. Oh, wow. This Thanks, is your Brian. day. Man. <laughs> Hard, hard hitting news here. The this Common is Good. your day. Well, you can follow us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good Radio Show. On Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And uh, as always, you can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we are appreciative to those who do listen via the podcast and uh, always glad to hear from you. Well, there was an uh, article that you found at Mary, is it Mary Claire? Marie Claire? Mary Claire. MaryClaire.com. Probably uh, Marie. MarieClaire.com. <laughs> and it's entitled, Will Worship for Likes. Uh, and it's the story of Pastor Judah and Chelsea Smith. And how would you say that? Church home? Church yeah, home? Church home. Uh, it feels like there should be an extra H in there, but I think that's the point, right? Mm, to make it one name. So edgy. Uh, it's it's about their kind of <laughs> online, Instagram-driven church, and uh, a lot of celebrities a part of their church. And this article uh, is asking kind of, what do you do with this type of church? Is it a good thing that, according to the Smiths, their church collectively draws more than 10,000 people every week to its five locations in Washington State and California uh, including its Wednesday evening service in Beverly Hills? Uh, or is there uh, the amount of celebrity and money and uh, the fact that it's mostly driven online? Is that a, not a good thing for the church? So uh, curious what your thoughts were about just this concept and, and maybe this church in general. Well, let me just read some of the article sure. first. Uh, it says, in 1999, a young single mom named Patty Millett attended a Christian conference in Toronto about 90 miles from her hometown in Canada. From the audience, she watched Judah Smith, then the co-leader of the youth ministry at the City Church, speak about the Bible and Jesus. He seemed cool and young, and she liked what he was preaching. She left the summit with a few recordings of his sermons. By the time she reached out to Judah and his wife, Chelsea Smith, with an invitation to attend one of her son's concerts at the Everett Arena in Washington, the Smiths had become co-lead pastors at the City Church in nearby Seattle. I don't know if you've heard my son, Chelsea remembers Millette saying, but he needs some good influences in his life. Would you come? It was 2010. Of course, the Smiths had heard of her son, Justin Bieber, then 16, was the most Googled person in the U.S. that year. Nearly a decade later, the Smiths' non-denominational church, which has since been rebranded as Church Home, 
has become one of the most influential Christian organizations or Christian congregations, rather, in Hollywood. So it reads about some of the stats that you were saying about the size. It says that the L.A. services have drawn the likes of Courtney Kardashian, Ciara and Russell Wilson and Selena Gomez. And they later talk about how there's often paparazzi waiting outside the door. Since the Smiths introduced Bieber to Carl and Laura Lentz, who lead the New York outpost of Australian megachurch Hillsong, which many of the Smiths congr- uh, congregants, including Bieber and his wife, Haley Baldwin Bieber, attend when they're on the East Coast. Chad Veach, another friend of the Smiths, leads L.A.'s uh, Zoe Church, which counts Chris Pratt, Catherine Schwarzenegger, and Ashley Benson among its followers. As church attendance in the U.S. declines, the number of Americans with no religious affiliation rises. A recent Gallup poll found that half of all adults belong to a house of worship in 2018, compared to an average of 68% throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. The Smiths want to reposition Christianity through positive storytelling, not through the messages of doom and gloom that other churches have preached in the past. Hmm. In the dark times, in those dark times, the story got out there that Christians were a bit mean and harsh and judgmental and looking for the wrong in people, says Chelsea Smith. Uh, fear-mongering televangelists like Jim Baker and Robert Tilton sermonized that those who didn't follow Jesus and those who didn't donate heavily to the church would face demons and end times. Now, Baker was later indicted on multiple counts of fraud. Tilton, who was repeatedly accused of unethical fundraising, was unsuccessfully sued for fraud. So I'll stop there. Mm-hmm. This dichotomy between you know, preaching love and grace and forgiveness versus doom and gloom, I don't feel like that's a new discussion mm-hmm. or a a new argument necessarily, but this the subheading of this article in particular, well, the article is called Will Worship for Likes, and the author writes, to build their celeb-approved megachurch, church home pastors Judah and Chelsea Smith preach community, love, acceptance, and inclusion. Is their Instagrammable message truly reframing Christianity or simply helping their church rake in millions? So you can sort of guess some of this author's general perspective, Um and I don't know. I'm I I am sometimes torn on these. It feels easy to sort of launch grenades yep. at some well, mega church, church yeah. that's growing in popularity, and like, oh, they're just growing in popularity because they're loving people. I'm like, well, is that to say that maybe other churches could, we couldn't do a better job of loving yeah. people? I think that obviously requires a a, a balance of theology and perspective and insight. But uh, I don't I don't know. When you read stuff like this, is this Rub you the wrong the wrong way, or are you less suspicious? Uh, I'm trying to become less suspicious in my life because, like, when I read them kind of redoing how church is done, and it feels like just very different than what I'm used to, I, I immediately get my defenses up. Right? Like, hmm. uh, what are we changing? And you know, I'd want I don't know their theology very well, and I'd want to dig into that. But much of the back half of the article has to do with how much of their church is app driven and online driven. And I know you guys delve into online church a little bit at community. Yeah. I'm wondering they really are kind of them and Hillsong are really kind of uh pushing the the envelope with it, right? Like um and I'm wondering what you think is that the future of because this article in some ways fancies it a little bit of like, hey, church attendance is declining. Uh this might be be a way of reforming church and doing it better in the future. Uh, but I know you have strong feelings about the need for community, like actual embodied community. So I'm wondering what you think also about how um, how much they are driven by uh, by kind of an online presence. Yeah, I, I think we need to always be mindful that we're we should be, in my opinion, using digital platforms as a resource, as a tool, but not as a destination. I think incarnational, in person, face to face community. Uh, 
I don't know that you ever really can replace that. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a reason somebody was asking me this um, on Sunday about why do you why do you only live stream one of your services? I said, well, the the point is that we still want to encourage people to yeah. find a physical space, even if it's not with us. Like, if people are introduced to the idea of Jesus or church or Bible through a Facebook live video, that's awesome. That's great, and we provide all sorts of. We have a digital small group. Our uh, mm-hmm. our guy Brandon Bernicke is he's sort of overseeing the whole operation, and he just loves engagement numbers. There's people literally from all over the world. We have people watching from the Philippines that really? you know, obviously are not going to attend the Yellow Box in Naperville. How do they find you? Just, I have no idea. It's no. not that they used to be at the Yellow Box. Nope. It could just be through whatever. Nope. And through likes and shares and all that sort of, you know, some of it's random, some of it's more strategic. So there's obviously, you know, in some cases like, hey, we're, we're going to continue making this available because this guy is finding his way back to God through this live stream. But we're going to always continue to encourage that person to find real in-person physical community because I think that there's something deeply sacred and really valuable to that kind of, you know, Alan Hirsch calls it the diatribo, this like Mm -hmm. life on life, like rubbing up against each other kind of community. So to see digital though as a tool, as a resource, I think is incredibly helpful. You know, like we talked earlier about how like online giving used to be this big faux pas. Like if it's not physical cash and checks, it's not for the Lord. Yeah. And now it's sort of like, well, of course you're going to have digital options. I think that we're going to continue to see trends like that where something's going to seem really out there. And then 15 years later, we'll say, oh, all right. Well, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I'd encourage you to read this article because there's other stuff in here that it really causes you to wrestle everything from salary to size of houses, which we've discussed before, to uh, online church, to theology. Uh, it's a fascinating uh, kind of look at a church that is really reaching a demographic of people uh, in our culture, kind of the celebrity uh, demographic. I think we would love to hear your uh, your feedback on this. You could do that on our Facebook page at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Uh, we are really thrilled to be joined in studio right now by the Reverend Alvin Bibbs. And uh, Alvin is, uh, he is a speaker and author. And right now you are currently serving as a president and CEO of the Justice Journey Alliance. Alvin, thank you so much for being here. It's a joy to be here this afternoon in, <laughs> in Chicago. We are so excited. And you, you're by, you and I, we, people always print out bios, a little behind the scenes here. And we've just been eating yours up. There's like every paragraph is something we want to talk to you about. And your bio begins with a fascinating interaction you had as sure. a child with the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That just blows me away. Could you tell us that story? Well, it, it blows me away as well, <laughs> to be quite honest. I really can't believe that something like that occurred in my life as, mm-hmm. as a young child growing up here in the city of Chicago. And uh, it was a very interesting era uh, within our country mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the race relations and the tension mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents actually... Got wind of the fact that when Dr. King was going to be visiting our city to support the street and sanitation workers mm-hmm. here in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, our pastor communicated to everyone that Dr. King decided that he was going to preach at three different churches. And one of those churches happened to be my 
church that I grew up in, Wayman AME Church on the near north side of Chicago, right smack in the heart mm. of Cabrini Green. Oh, wow. And so because we got sort of the inside scoop, <laughs> we got there super early. <laughs> you know, third, literally third row centerpiece no seats. And I'm a six-year-old kid, and I'm sitting on my mom's lap. The place is jam-packed. It hasn't been that packed since I've preached there. <laughs> you guys got it. Some people are a little slow on that. Some, some people oh, are a little two slow on that. Two man. We get it. Right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, it's, it's, you know, everyone is just waiting with great anticipation for Dr. King to arrive. And finally, the doors of the church opens, and my eyes are just piercing on Dr. King as he makes his way into the sanctuary wow. uh, at that time with his entourage. And to fast forward here a little bit as well, it's time for Dr. King to deliver one of his very prolific messages. Yeah. And he's challenging the congregation to take responsibility of the community of the family and the next generation of leaders. Mm. Well, in the midst of his sermon, he pointed out in the crowd for this young person to come and stand next to him as an example in his sermon text. Mm. Well, that young person wouldn't come forward just being overly shy. didn't want to leave the comfort of mom and dad, <laughs> but that young person was me. Man. And so at the end of the service, I had a chance to go up and greet Dr. King with my parents and my four other uh, siblings. And he turns to my mom and dad and says, look, uh, would you mind if I say a prayer of blessing over your child's life? Come on. And of course, you know, they didn't ask me and they agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and here's the thing. Dr. King was a short, stocky guy, Mm. but he had these huge hands. It seemed like he could palm two basketballs in one (laughs) hand. And this is 1967. So I had this serious Michael Jackson afro. (laughs) And so so Dr. King, you know, he takes his right hand and he places down on, on my neatly shaped afro. And he says a prayer of blessing over my life. Wow. That was just absolutely profound. I literally walked around for several weeks with this imprint in my afro. Wow. And all of my friends was like, hey, Bibbs, why don't you do something with the fro, man? <laughs> I was like, no, you don't understand. Right. I, I've been blessed by the king. Wow. And, and we all know the following year, uh, Dr. King was assassinated. Yeah, that's right. And my community literally just was, it was just a place that went up in flames, you know, mm. because of the rise of 1968. Right. And I'll never forget that time. We lived on the ninth floor in our apartment complex, and we were ordered to stay away from the windows and everything like that because of all of the gunfire. And uh, Mayor Daly Sr. ordered the power to be pulled out of the community. So it was pitch black. It was a war zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was sitting in the corner of our apartment complex. Uh, under the area where the window is located, balled up like a baby inside of his mother's womb. And I was thinking to myself that my life is over. Mm. I'm never going to make it out of here alive. At the same time, the mayor ordered the National Guards that were called into our community to tear gas every entrance into the apartment complexes to keep potential rioters inside. Well, if you lived on the first, second, or third floor... In the apartment complexes, the tear gas began to creep through the cracks of the doors. And there were families that had infant children that literally had to take their babies and place their heads inside of freezers just to get fresh air. No kidding. And many of those innocent children lost their lives, and it was never, ever reported. Wow. And so as I reflect back on that defining moment in my life and air and time, hmm. it is truly no accident that God has called me to a justice ministry yeah. to really help change the landscape here within our city, the nation, and the world to bring healing 
and reconciliation on a grand scale like we've never experienced before. Mm. That's the calling for today. That's fantastic. All right, so we'll we'll fill in some of the gaps in the coming segment, but you have an event coming up this Saturday, right? So like you just said so well, that was sort of for you the beginning of this vision cast being in your own heart working towards justice and reconciliation. Exactly. Can you tell me a little bit more about this event on Saturday in particular for people that are just joining us? Very exciting event. It's, um, It's called Just Us Conversations. Actually, the genesis of this initiative, the, the original theme of it was just us happy hour conversations. <laughs> that was the genesis of this big idea that yeah. God placed in my heart. Mm. And the whole idea was, you know, let's create a, a venue mm. and platform where different people from different social, racial, and economic backgrounds can come together and have authentic conversations about the things that break the heart of God Mm. and is dividing our nation like never before. And those issues are really focused on equality, Mm. inclusion, Mm. and the issue of race. And so let's gather folks together in cafes and restaurants and churches and really take a discipleship approach Mm. to this dialogue log hmm. that we haven't experienced before right. and it's just been a slam dunk hit wow. and we're grateful and thrilled to be in partnership with the Mark and Jeannie Family Foundation. You know, those guys own Lou Malinati's Pizza. Oh, so good. The best pizza in Chicago. So good. If you haven't been there, better check it out before hey. I eat it all up. But, but we're going to be there. We're going to be there on Saturday morning at it. their River North location from 11 to 1 p.m. in the afternoon, mm. also serving some of the best pizza, yeah. you know, at no cost. But the, mm. I, I tell you, the, the big idea of being there is about these conversations. In regards to equality, inclusion, and race. Don't beat me there. Get there right (laughs) now. Get your spot. (laughs) You only got a few seats left. Yeah, so go that route. First of all, I just think I just heard free pizza. That was free uh, pizza. <laughs> That's what right. Ryan heard in all of that. Can you? How do people sign up? How do they get information? Uh, how do they get there? Just go right to uh, info at t h e j j a dot org. Info at thejja.org sign up right away for your seat around the table at Just Us Conversations Lou Malnati's River North this Saturday, December 7th 11am to 1pm. What's, exactly. the, what's the format going to look like? Are you speaking or is it just open forum or how does that actually That's a look? great question, great question This is not a conference This is not a right. workshop Right. This is not a lecture It is a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so all of our guests that walk through the doors, they're going to be divided up in small groups of four. And there's a skill facilitator oh, wow. that helps to guide the conversation. I love that. And there's three different layers of questions that they will engage in at their tables. Mm. And the first layer of questions is considered soft touch. So we want to ease them into the conversation. So there's a couple of questions under that particular header that those around the table can select which question they want to have conversation around. And then the next layer of questions is entitled Heart from the heart. Mm. Now we're going in deep, baby. Yeah. We're going in deep. This is, this is not for the faint of heart. You've had a couple slices of pizza. Right. Let's you, go you got your pizza. You got your salad. You got Get your Sprite. Go. All right. Now we're going in deep. We're nosediving now. Let's go. Let's so go. heart from the heart. Mm. And then the third layer of questions is entitled 
cool down. Ah. Yeah, all right? You know, when you're on that treadmill and you're working hard and, and you're excited when you see that little flash say, cool down, you know you made it, hmm. well, they've made it through the conversation. Yep. Now, here's the cool thing about our Just Us conversation. We make it very clear in terms of the guidelines of engagement. Hmm. And it's quite simple. This is a no-blaming environment. Hmm. So nobody's going to be blamed for anything. Yep. There's no criticizing all right. Leave all of your uh, criticism outside of the door. Hmm. This is not the place for it. Hmm. OK. And then the next area that we focus on, no judging. Hmm. All right. No judging. And now probably this is probably the one that really makes everybody smile. And this is a no politicizing yeah. environment. If you want to separate people, put the big P out there. Yes. <laughs> all of a sudden, everybody's running for the exits. Yeah. All right. So this is a no politicizing environment. Hmm. And then lastly, no shaming. Wonderful. No shaming. And so after we kind of give them the guidelines of engagement, everybody's like, you can see them in their seats just kind of exhale hmm. yeah. and go, Oh, my God, finally a place where I can come as be as ignorant as I want to, get all of my questions answered, and just raise the overall trajectory of my learning around these issues, and at the same time, develop some wonderful new friends that I can call on at any time at the end of the day. It doesn't get any better than that. Friends, get to Jeff's Stuff Conversations, (laughs) Lou Nadi's this Saturday morning, 11 to 1. Be there or be square. I'm going right now. All right. (laughs) Turn it off right now. That's uh, (laughs) Reverend Alvin Bibbs, you're listening to. He is going to stay with us, and uh, we couldn't be more excited about that. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. to the common good aim 1160 hope for your life alongside ian simpkins i'm brian Fromm, and we are joined right now in studio for a second segment uh by reverend alvin bibbs alvin uh is uh the president and ceo of the justice journey alliance if you missed his story from his childhood in the last segment please go back listen to the podcast yeah no kidding to hear that uh before jumping back into the event that we're talking about us the just us conversation that's happening this saturday from 11 to 1 at the lou malnati's at river north uh, we teased earlier that your bio is just full of stuff. Here's another thing that I found interesting. You were the primary chaplain for the Chicago Cubs for seven seasons. That's right. I want to know what that was like. It was absolutely fantastic. It's, there's nothing like the friendly confines of Wrigley Field, <laughs> especially for a kid like myself that went from standing outside of the ballpark one day hoping I can get a ticket yeah. to the Bob Euchre section and also the, the lower mezzanine to the box seat to the actual clubhouse. No, man. And that literally was my progression. Uh, it was a Fascinating uh, ministry. I tell people all the time, I prayed them to the playoffs and I passed the baton to someone else to get them to the World Series. And, uh, I did my job. in baseball, you know that. Right? That's right, that's right, that's right. That's right. So I, I did my job. It was just an amazing outreach uh, yeah. to the players, to the families, uh, the visiting teams as well. Uh, just a great opportunity for uh, delivering the gospel message in such a way that players receive yeah. it. You have to be flexible, of course, because right. you never know what the skipper is going to be up to on a particular Sunday. There's only 13 different dates for the chapel service uh, at Wrigley Field. Oh, really? And so you meet with the skipper early in the morning and find out what their schedule is for the day. And so your message has to be prepared to be delivered in either five minutes 
or 20 minutes. Oh, it depends wow. on the schedule. So you got to make sure you can get those three points in, yes. no, no matter what the time frame is. The same first letter of each That's one, right? right? There you go. A, B, C. That is it. You know, admit, believe, commit. Yep. You know, I mean, that's Cut just the, the way poem and read. That's right. You're that's right. Go. That's it right there. And so, so you speak to both teams. Uh-huh. Uh, they're at the oh, ballpark. You and you have a chance to wow. interact with the empires as well. And so you're there literally from like 9 to 1 o'clock just ministering to the players and all of the other folks around the ballpark, et cetera. And the, the main man that really was kind of, kind of my go-to guy was Yosh Kawana. Okay. Uh, here's a guy that had a lifetime sort of contract with the organization, could never be fired. Hmm. And he was the number one guy that would rally all the players really? and, and tell Sammy Sosa, Mark, Mark, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Sandberg and all the guys, yeah. like, chapel time, chapel time. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just being there waiting for all the guys to come in, you know. And it was just fantastic. But he had great stories about hmm. he used to take Billy Williams and Ernie Banks and all those guys to, to Billy Graham Crusades. I mean, he's just a wow. warrior for Jesus. In more ways than one. But, Fascinating uh, story. Yeah, but but there was a few times where a lot of the the fans out there would think that I was someone else. Mm. Very quickly, one day I was standing behind the batting cage with mm. Mark Grace and and Sammy Sosa and Ryan Sandberg, mm. and all of a sudden there was this chant going on. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Scotty. And so uh, Mark Grace turns around and he said, hey, Rev, they're talking to you. I was like, who? The fans. So I turn around and they started waving to me. They thought I was Scotty Pippen. So, <laughs> same thing happened to me just last yeah. week. <laughs> same thing. Go, guys. Exactly you know? the same. And so, and so Sammy Sosa said, go sign the autograph. I was like, no way, man. No way. <laughs> but just a great ministry. This is amazing. A lot of fun. All right, so a couple of quick things. So sure. You were featured in Time Magazine, uh, and the title fascinates me, Ken Megachurch's Bridge the Racial Divide. You were Christianity Today's 1996 November issue, featured as one of the top 50 up and coming. You also played an integral role in the uh, documentary Hoop Dreams, so that's just a teaser. I want to talk all about that later. Sure. But you have this really intimate relationship with Cabrini Green, and I actually was a part of a sleepout back in 2010 okay. for Cabrini Green. That was one of my first protest really even kind of participating sure, in person sure. as a minister in the suburbs and someone from Detroit. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what what that experience has been like over the decades and what your relationship with Cabrini had been and how you reconcile some of that now. Yeah, Cabrini Green was home for me. That's where right. literally where I was born and raised, you know, mm-hmm. right there in the, the concrete, uh, some would call the concrete jungle of mm-hmm. Cabrini Green. Right. Uh, it was a very challenging environment uh, the time that I was raised there. Uh, it was probably one of the more notorious uh, urban communities in the country Right. Uh, the time that, that I was living there. Uh, gangs and drugs uh, just was all over the place there as well. Uh, as a kid, I was probably shot at too many times to count. Gosh. Uh, I was beaten unconscious, had a three fifty seven Magnum on the side of my neck. If Jeez. I would have breathed the wrong way or blinked the wrong way, I wouldn't be here today talking about Jesus and justice. Wow. Uh, so I'm grateful for the cloud of witnesses and those that continue to, to pray for my life uh, over those years as well. Uh, my older siblings were part of the disciples, not the disciples that we read about in the good book. Uh, and they had some pretty high rank and file within the organization there as well. And they shielded me from all of that type of activity. Wow. Uh, but at the same time, the one thing I would say about Cabrini Green that you don't hear a lot about, yeah. even in the midst of the violence and all of the tension, et cetera, it was a community that was mm. built around family. Mm. Wow. Every neighbor, every building, everybody cared for one another. And, of course, you had a few knuckleheads out there yeah, that gave it uh, 
pretty bad reputation, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. But it was home. Mm. Uh, there was the green grass and the flowers and the beautiful mm. trees and those kind of things there as well. It was one big community. And then when the influx of the drug market uh, really hit the community right. and the job market began to dwindle away as well, all of your manufacturing companies began to move out of the country of you know the United States, et cetera, right. then all of a sudden unemployment just hit a, a very high scale. Mm. And so that begins to have a, a real n- negative effect on all of the issues in our community from education education, to health, I mean, you name it. Hmm. And then at the same time of that, you had the level of injustice on a regular basis. I I recall on a regular basis where myself, along with my peers, if we were to travel east towards the Gold Coast area to hang out at Oak Street Beach, et cetera, Hmm. we weren't allowed because of the complexion of our skin. And so we were harassed on a regular basis. So that level of tension was real. Hmm. And there was mornings when I would wake up and go to school where if the elevator wasn't working, I would go through the stairwell. And on several occasions, when I'm walking down those stairs, I actually would pass a deceased body you know, there in the stairwell. I never took the same route to school every day because of the gang violence in the community, et cetera. And so it literally was one of those situations Hmm. where... You don't wish that upon anyone. Right. But no that's kidding. just what's the state of the union. Right. Uh, yeah, thank you for thank sharing you. all yeah. that. Sure. Sure. So you're listening to uh, Reverend Alvin Bibbs, and uh, he is here talking about the Just Us Conversations. Uh, the Just Us Conversations are monthly open discussion focusing on equality, inclusion, and race. And uh, the next one is this Saturday, December the 7th, from 11 to 1 uh, at Lou Malnati's River North. That's 439 North Wells Street in Chicago. It's a free event. Space is limited to 50 people. Is That's that right. a first come, first serve? First no come, tickets. first serve. That's it. That's right. right. You lose out on the free pizza. Free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line now. Keep throwing that free pizza. Get in line now. So uh, you can, if this sounds interesting to you, and I hope it does, you can uh, send an email to info at thejja.org. That's thejja.org for more information. Alvin is going to stay with us for one more segment, and we couldn't be more excited about that. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good. I am 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. We are excited to be joined for one more segment by the Reverend Alvin Bibb Sr. Uh, Alvin currently is the president and CEO of the Justice Journey Alliance. Uh, and he's here to talk about the Just Us Conversations, talking about equality, inclusion, and race. And the next one is happening Saturday, December 7th. That's this Saturday from 11 to 1 at the Lou Malnati's River North. That's 439 North Wells Street in Chicago. It's a free event, only limited to 50 seats. So for more information, you can email info at the JJA.org. We, uh, Alvin, we were talking about just the fascination we both have with your bio. Uh, we, we, we talked already about your, your interaction with Dr. King, yes. uh, your being the chaplain for the Chicago Cubs, and now you played a prominent role yes. in the 1994 blockbuster documentary, Hoop Dreams. So tell us just, yeah, yeah. we could do two hours on that, but just tell us real briefly that story. That, that was one of those uh, unexpected blessings that just kind of comes your way, you don't see it coming, and then bang, there you are in the midst of it. And uh, I, I really credit uh, the two stars of, of Hoop Dreams, uh, William 
William Gates and Arthur A.G., uh, a kid from the Cabrini Green community, right. connected to my family, lived, moved into, in, into our home. Hmm. Uh, literally, it's like a son, you know, hmm. to me as well. And then Arthur A.G., a kid from the west side of Chicago, who, who just really you know, just idolized Isaiah Thomas, you mm-hmm. know, sort of kind of padding his game after Isaiah Thomas as well. But here are two guys that were highly recognized as student-athletes in the city of Chicago, and there was this, this, these film producers that were trying to do a piece for PBS, mm-hmm. a 30-minute educational segment. And they wanted to focus and highlight Arthur Agee and William Gates. Well, at the end of capturing all of the footage that they needed for this PBS special, hmm. they come back to the families and say, look, we believe we have a story here. <laughs> Would you folks mind if we just kind of followed these guys throughout their high school career, et cetera? I mean, no questions asked. Wow. And so, of course, my family has a tendency to turn to me and say, hey, what do you think? Right. And so I called a buddy out in California who's a professional actor, stand-up comedian, and I say, hey, T-Tone, what do you think, man? <laughs> he said, uh, listen, friend, I need to connect you with a couple of Christian uh, 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 entertainment attorneys there in Chicago, right. draw some documents. You never know where this thing is going to go. Right. Well, after we get that all squared away, I go back to the family and say, look, I have all the answers, you know. And, and everybody agrees. They say, you're just a man of wisdom. And uh, I never told this. about yeah. Yeah, right. but, uh, <laughs> Well, to, to make a long story short, after uh, five and a half years later, 250 hours of film footage, uh, we get this call from the producers, uh, Steve James and the guys, and they said, look, you know, they're just eating up the trailer of Hoop Dreams mm. out at the Sundance Film Festival. Mm. We need to get you guys out there. And, and so, you know, they we just they send airline tickets. Family goes out there. And the next thing you know, we blink two seconds later. And then all of a sudden, there's this premiere in New York City, red carpet, limousines, <laughs> yeah. all that kind so of crazy how, how stuff. How did I get here? Yeah, yeah, how right. did we no get kidding. here? No kidding. I, I, I'm involved in youth ministry. I'm trying to reach kids <laughs> with the gospel of Christ, you know? I'm not in the entertainment industry, yeah, yeah. you know? But I'm entertaining for God right yeah, now. Right. And this is fun. And, uh, and so all of that happens. And then next thing I know, my, my brother-in-law, uh, William, he asked me, he said, uh, look, would you mind serving as my agent? Because I'm getting all of these speaking requests. I don't know what the heck is going on here. <laughs> and I said, I'm not an agent either, but at least I know how to write. And so I'll serve in that space for you yeah, as well. Wow. Next thing I know, I'm cutting deals with Ted Turner and all of these big wigs. And, <laughs> and the icing on the cake, I think, in this uh, post-Hoop Dreams kind of era yeah. was the time we had uh, dinner with Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and, and Tom Hanks. And Tom wow. Hanks was like the icing on the cake for me. You know, <laughs> no uh, He really is, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers. In there, yeah. he's the one. <laughs> and this guy is just so down to earth, so genuine and just mm. so humble that's awesome uh, just has a warm spirit but that hoop dreams run yeah. wasn't like anything i think our country's ever seen before mm. and many will say even today that hoop dreams literally was the launch and springboard for reality television yeah, i can see it yeah. no doubt about that's it. remarkable all right so we have this conference coming up on saturday limited yes. to 50 people i imagine far more than 50 people listening right now that won't be able to go um i'm curious if you could spend the last few minutes just sharing with us some wisdom. Like I, I read a quote earlier last week, and it went something like, when you're used to privilege, equality can feel like oppression. As a way of understanding why so many people look at social justice conversations as a threat to them, or they yes. don't really know, especially in the church, unfortunately, we often don't know what to do with it. And I think another definition of privilege is to think uh, it's not a problem if it's not a problem for me, yes. right? And a yes. lot of what you've shared with your story is, Man, there are so many things going on that a lot of us, particularly out in the suburbs, have no idea sure. about. Could you spend just a couple sure. of minutes just yeah. giving us both maybe an education, but also some hope for a way forward? Sure. 
couple of key quick things on this, I would say, first and foremost, that, you know, there is a quote years ago we've all heard that the local church is the hope of the world. That's right. It, it just doesn't get any, any better than that. The local church is the hope of the world. That's right. It's not corporations. It's not mm-hmm. all these other things. It's the local church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I believe that, that every church in North America needs to have a position on their staff team Someone serving as a diversity, inclusion, and belonging hmm. director. That's mm. great. Notice the, the, the tag end of that, belonging. Right. So as we lift up the values of diversity and inclusion and what all of that means, we want to make sure that we're creating space where people really feel like they belong. Right. Today. Not just okay. weighing in. And but not just wanting in, yeah, but right. they actually belong. Hmm. And as we really live out this Acts 2 vision of the church, you know, multiplying in so many beautiful ways, That's let's right. make sure that our churches represent that hmm. holistically across the board. That's and great. let's not be intimidated to have the conversations around the issues of social justice, all right, and equality and equity and all of these things alike, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, friends, if we really want to tackle this issue of racism, we have to uh, really tackle the economics within our country. That's right. Because racism is an economic issue. Mm. Okay, so if we can talk about those things when it comes to economic inclusion, et cetera, et cetera, we can really begin to move this needle in a way that is so pleasing and brings a huge smile to our our Lord's face in heaven. Mm. That's the bottom line. But at the end of the day, what we got to do is just raise the tent and open up our arms it, and huh? invite others and love others for who they are and not who we want them to be. That's great, man. Thank you so much, man. Can, can we do some more? Can we just keep going? <laughs> <laughs> You're the new co-host. Exactly. exactly. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> we are it's, so it's thankful. Really, it's really all about reaching an ever-increasing population of people I love it. that is divided by race and injustice, and we can do that together and make sure that we're all yeah. that we're all living out the kingdom vision that we have in our communities today. Uh, so we would encourage you to go to the Just Us Conversations. The next one is happening this Saturday from 11 to 1 at Lou Malnati's River North. That's 439 North Wells Street. A free event, but it's limited to 50 people. Mm-hmm. You can RSVP by sending an email to info at thejja.org or to more information, go to www.thejja.org. Alvin Bibbs, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. We yeah, really man. appreciate you hey, doing this. Thank you guys. What a great opportunity you guys are awesome uh, <laughs> cut that up and we need to bring that back so thanks man appreciate it you're listening to the common good am 1160 hope for your life Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here, and after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no 
strings attached kind of mentality was just their heart to give back to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously to be wise with money and live generously and that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them and so if you're interested in learning more I can't encourage you enough to head to thrivent.com today it's time for a conversation about the things we share in common our common hopes our common fears our common struggles Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you joining us on this Thursday evening. Hopefully you're heading home uh, after a good day of work. And uh, we're glad to have you joining us today. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. Or you can find our podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and we are uh, we are genuinely thankful for those that do listen via podcast. Well, uh, at Christianity Today, uh, Gracie Olmsted wrote an article entitled this, uh, Parents Need Villages, Not Just Public Policies. American Families Are Floundering for Support, and the Church is a Great Place to Start. She writes, I grew up in rural Idaho as part of a homeschool family with four kids. A lot of our neighbors had big families, and most also had stay-at-home moms. In this atmosphere, getting married and having kids were frequent and encouraged practices. More genuinely, we had an integrated community where singles, kids, parents, and grandparents inhabited a shared world and together laid the foundation for neighborly and familial health. Our, quote, little platoons, the circles of community that Edmund Burke pointed to as the first principle of public life and civic strength, were strong. She goes on to say this kind of community is increasingly rare. Over the past several decades, America's birth rate has dropped to concerning levels and marriage rates have continued to decline. Senator Elizabeth Warren has argued that some of these changes stem from the, quote, two-income trap, a concept Helen Andrews described in a New York Times op-ed last week when she wrote, when mothers started entering paid employment in a large numbers in the 1970s, it led to a bidding war over middle-class amenities that left everyone paying more for the privilege of being no better off than before. Uh. The result is a two-tiered system that isn't working for anybody. And, and so I'll stop there. So she sets this picture of, well, the way it used to be, was you were raised by a village of people, right? Moms were home with the kids, but then there was also grandparents, and there was this tighter-knit community, uh, and that now, for various reasons, uh, that is not the same. Do you think that her premise here is correct? Uh, that's a great question, Brian. I have no idea. I do <laughs> miss, um, like, the neighborhood I grew up in was, like, out of a movie. There was, mm. like... A dozen or so kids within a few years of me and my brothers, and we did the block party every year, mm -hmm. and we did street hockey and curb ball and ghosts in the graveyard, and we knew the names Ghost of everybody at our block. Yep. We our next door neighbor was a um, he's also a softball coach, and he had this huge trophy. I forget the story behind how he got it, but we we all named it the trash trophy, and whichever neighbor on our block had the most trash on the curb that week they were awarded the trash no trophy way. and they would just like show up on their porch it was just like fun quirky weird little things like that where we you know we had a trampoline in our backyard so kids were always over there 
My other friend had like all the, you know, the newest gaming systems. So half the time we were over there, we would do lunch together. We had slip mm-hmm. and slide. Like it just felt like, like a Sandlot era yeah. type of community. And we moved and I was like a junior senior in high school. And I remember being really bummed that the neighborhood we moved to wasn't nearly like the one I was raised in. And my younger siblings, I think in some ways kind of missed out on that. So now having kids of my own and, you know, we're in a neighborhood where we struggled a little bit to, to get to know our neighbors. And I think that there there is a longing for that sense of like, oh, man, maybe I just lucked yeah. out. Maybe the maybe the Simpkins family in the uh, in the 80s and 90s, just the luck of the draw. Or maybe there really is a decline in this kind of communal yeah. neighborhood socializing. I don't know. She writes, in more traditional societies in the past, <laughs> child re- rearing was seen as, quote, a collective project one that the entire community helped with. Even in the United States today, many communities uh, maintain that maintain strong family social norms, have this kind of modern village parenting style, whether it's an immigrant community in big cities or Mormons out West. Uh, Stone wrote for the Institute for Family Studies last year. Unsurprisingly, these groups tend to have higher fertility, uh, perhaps in part because parents have more volunteer help on hand to assist them. But then she asks for the rest of us, what happened to the village model? I don't know if you remember years ago, right? Hillary Clinton said it takes a village and was kind of ripped for that. Um, Who was she ripped by for that? Uh, she was ripped by everybody for everything. Oh. <laughs> for everybody. I'm not sure she was ripped for that particular comment. But uh, do you think this decline of a village model, as this author puts it, is harmful for families and for our culture? Uh what do you think it's doing? Or is this even something you're seeing in the suburbs? I know you already touched on a little bit about what you had going on, but what do you think it'll be for your kids growing up? I mean, it's hard to say. I think there are probably a lot of communities and cities throughout the country that are doing this much better. I think the suburbs face a unique struggle. You know, I was reading a book a couple years ago on, it was following the migration in America from the front stoop to the back patio. That was kind of the basic premise Mm. that there was a time, and there are still certainly cities and communities and neighborhoods where this happened, where you'd come home from work and you'd drop your briefcase off, you know, inside the front door, and families would sit on the front stoop and they'd drink tea and they would share with the other neighbors. And then slowly over the course of a couple of decades, everyone moved to the back patio where we put up 10-foot fences and everyone had their own grill and their own lawnmower, where a lot of these things used to be shared. Oh, that's interesting. It became – we created the – we were still outside, but we did so – from the privacy of our own backyard where we're not sharing stories. We're not having conversations with our neighbors. We've intentionally set up structures and barriers so we don't even have to see them. Uh, <laughs> that's a little anecdotal, but I think it's also a microcosm of some of the trend towards hyper-isolationism, which is interesting because with the rise of social media, we're showing over and over again how deeply we long to connect with other humans. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times I think our social patterns, even our architecture, the way that our communities are built – um, it can it can really I think it can be counterproductive at times, and I I like the idea personally of the collective project, and and the article goes on to talk a little bit about this. I saw a lot of that at church. There was a number of people at our church growing up that had as much right to reprimand me and my siblings as my parents did, and they most certainly did, and they were right to do that. Yeah, and I got to be raised by people. From a number of different perspectives with different backgrounds and different – like it just – it feels like a much richer experience when it when it was sort of this shared experience. Now, I'm the oldest of seven kids. So, so I think a lot of times yeah. other families, other parents were like, okay, we need to, we need to help the Simpkins out. They have, a, <laughs> they have a lot going on. 
but I'm grateful for that. I feel like being the recipient of that rich diversity of like, hey, we're we're in this together um, is something that I, I think we could use a whole lot more of in the world. So what is one step to reclaiming this? Because you and I talk, how many studies have we done about the loneliness of our culture, right? We're all connected to each other via social networks uh, online, but but that we're increasingly lonely. So what are maybe a step or two that when you read this article, you're like, ah, here's something I could do, or here's something, uh, what maybe comes to mind for you? Have you heard of the Turquoise Table Project? So there's a, a woman, uh, I forget what her name is, but she tells a story about one day just taking a, a turquoise table and putting it in the front yard of her house and just having like coffee available and just like awkwardly sitting out there for a couple of days until just sit there. We'll just sit there. Yeah. And she'd like she drink her coffee and read a book until people started stopping by. And now years later, it's like this meeting hub of the neighborhood where people on their morning walks or taking their kids to school or during a lunch break or whatever. And it's this whole project. You can actually go to the turquoise table.com. I wasn't really planning on promoting them, but there's like resources and ideas for like, how do we, you know, we've challenged people in our church before to like move the bonfire pit to the front of the yard right. or move your grill to the front of the yard. There are small, easy steps that, you know, it doesn't have to be as big as organizing an entire block party or parade for your neighborhood, but just creating touch points and opportunities for people to engage with other human beings. I think, you know, like we, this uh, last summer, my wife and I projected a movie in our garage, got a popcorn machine, got some tacos from Taco Tuesday. And just like hung out with our neighbors. Mm. And, you know, that was really not that hard to do. And yeah. it didn't require any like particular skill set. Uh, but I think, it, it, you know, real relationships like this require someone taking initiative. Yeah. Someone stepping up and saying, all right, this, this is important. We need to work at this. Yep. The author ends the article this way. Ultimately, supporting families through good political policy is incredibly important, whether through financial policy supports or through generous family leave. But there's no replacement for the village and its neighborliness or the church and its hospitality. If we're going to encourage familial health in the future, the local congregation might be the best place to start. Listen to that again. If we're going to encourage familial health in the future, the local congregation might be the best place to start. We would love to hear some things you've done. Maybe there are small steps that you have taken to grow kind of this neighborly awareness, to kind of grow uh, just in ways of knowing others and living kind of more in a village than kind of isolated. If you want to tell us about those, you can do so at our Facebook page. That's The Common Good Radio Show, The Common Good Radio Show. Also there, you'll find this article. So go ahead and read it. Uh, give us your thoughts. Well, for Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, uh, review. We are really excited to have a friend of yours in studio with us. We've had him once before mm-hmm. on the phone, but now in studio. Incarnate. There you yeah. go. We are excited <laughs> to be joined by Nathan Baker Lutz. Nathan, thanks for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, you don't sound like you have a ponytail, but it's... Uh... <laughs> Because I don't in person. <laughs> now we're here in person. It's, uh... Did you at one point in your life? No, I would be the last person to uh, ever. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> right Second down. to last, probably. After. <laughs> no, I had, I had, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had shoulder length for a long time. No, oh, I'm wow. glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate <laughs> absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're in town for a very specific reason. But before getting to that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I grew up in the uh, the suburbs here in Chicago, and a couple years ago started doing beer in him Chicago, and before. Uh, 
two years ago, we moved to D.C., so I've been kind of doing my own thing out there with the, with the wife and the pug. Wife and the pug. But I... Uh, I have a big heart still for this area, so come back every once in a while to help beer and beer and hymns and some other stuff. Uh, as a lifelong Cubs fan, do some Cubs games, and, uh, and now we're doing beer and carols here for the holidays. So, oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I imagine people are listening and they're thinking, "Wait, hold on, did I just hear him correctly? Did he say beer and hymns?" It's a question that I get a lot actually because you and I've been doing this together since, since the, start, the start, yeah. right? Which is yeah, here Chicago, four yeah. years now. Is that right? Yeah. So, tell us a little bit more about. Okay, first off, what it even is how it came to be, and what's sort of like the dream for it overall. Yeah, Beer and Hymns is it's really something that happens all over the country. Everyone does it a little differently. But the, the idea is to kind of get people in a space that sort of changes the context for how people experience traditional church hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Some people I know grew up singing these songs in their grandparents' church, and maybe right. there's... They've got a weird feeling about them now because something has happened with their life uh, and their faith mm-hmm. since then. Some people don't know them at all because they've grown up in sort of a contemporary music church. Right. Uh, but either way, we think that there's some value in re-examining what these hymns are and what they say. Yep. Uh, they are first-person accounts yeah. of 19th century theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes they're problematic. Sometimes they're really enlightening. But, <laughs> but no matter what they are, at least they have a really deep some some version of a deep theology yeah. and are deeply rooted in faith and so we like to get to revisit that and recontextualize that hmm. and that's where like the beer and hymns part comes in we know a lot of people who do hymn sings we know sort of that sort of uh that kind of vibe but the, yeah. the idea of, of adding beer into it is Sort of the one, it's the location, mm-hmm. right? So that usually means like a local bar or local pub. So that recontextualizes the space for people, right? Um, we here in Chicago like to really decenter the performance part of it. So we, as mm-hmm. little as possible, have we have minimal PA, minimal microphones, right? As a way of sort of incorporating everyone into it instead of sort of we all look at you play. From a stage yeah, or exactly, something, right? Uh, with like a light setup or whatever. So when we first started, we didn't have a PA. Right, And then right. the people in the back of the room were like, hey, we can't really hear you anymore. Because <laughs> uh, the drummer's too loud. Uh, well, not taken. Yeah. <laughs> so we have introduced sort of a microphone just to like get things started. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple instruments that just don't cut through like a ukulele or a yeah. mandolin or something that we want to try to put through some speakers so people can hear, and especially in the back. Um, we don't have a stage and it's... You know, we just kind of want to give people a new space to experience something that's been around a long time. Yeah, I love that. And when I got to talk to you about this last time, one thing that came to my mind since then is that even just putting the word beer in front of the yep. word hymns just puts a little flag up that says, like, this is going to be different right. than what you've experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little bit sort of like the coffee shop thing that churches did, you know, 10, 15 yeah, years. Like, yeah. we're going to create a new space where we get to engage with this sort of right. stuff. It's It's a similar ethos a similar yeah. approach where we're just saying new space new approach same sort of uh lesson i guess yeah. same yeah. sort of vibe and, yeah uh, it's been going pretty well it's pretty yeah, nice. i'm wondering going back to the beer part so i grew up thoroughly evangelical and i can't imagine when i was a kid there being a beer and anything right. that was a endorsed people, by the church yeah. and I'm, that's what i'm curious i'm sure for some a lot of people that's a big draw but you guys get and ian could probably speak this too do you guys get a lot of pushback or is it like people who aren't <laughs> yeah. very excited about it just don't bother with it and it's kind of your thing a lot of picketers a lot yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> no. I, I, i'll occasionally get a message uh you know a direct message on facebook or something for our event yeah. and people will ask about it or in person 
Or like some of my mom's friends are like, I don't know about this. And, and, I, and my standard line is, is like, hey, the, the beer is optional, but the singing isn't. That's right. awesome. We, it, we're just trying to do something a little different right. to get people reattached to these songs and reatta- reattached to community. Honestly. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, reattached to sharing a space and doing this together in a way that kind of decenters any of the any of the distractions yep. that mm-hmm. might come up. It's cool. So uh, we're technically all ages even. We don't, we're not like mm-hmm. carding people at the door or anything. If We'll card you when you, you know, purchase yes, yes. an alcoholic beverage, right. of course, because they're, uh, our friends <laughs> at Blackberry are really great in that way. But, right. uh, but There's kids to, and stuff yeah, sometimes, had, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I try to bring like shakers and stuff in case someone brings their kid or whatever. Right. And we've had people message me like, hey, my cousin's in town. He's 19. Can he come? And it's totally, of course. Right. But, uh, again, the beer and hymns is sort of more of a... A catch-all title for what we're doing. It's not. Uh, it's not a hard and fast rule yeah. at all. But yeah, every once in a while, people are like, "I don't know about <laughs> I know. this." And then I say, "Well, why don't you come? Yeah, you come, and we can talk about it afterwards." I'm. Ha- I just think if you if you experience it once and you get an understanding for what we're really putting the emphasis on, that's right. Uh, in that title, I, I I'm hopeful that you'll you'll feel a little different awesome. when you leave. Well, that, and that was definitely my first experience because you had gone to Wild Goose Fest where yep. this whole idea originated. You came back and said. Let's give this a shot. I have an idea for a location. Mm-hmm. Can you just play a snare drum? And I hadn't played drums in four years. Or I was like, <laughs> one of the six piece, I can manage that. But what blew me away, I mean, honestly, I remember the first night it led me to tears, was scanning the room. And you had asked a question at some point about how many different churches were represented or denominations. Yeah, someone just passed around a sheet of paper. Right. And took like an informal survey about oh, fascinating. Like, what church are you from, what denomination are you from, et cetera. It was like 35 different churches and denominations and some had, were yeah, unaffiliated. Yeah. And I remember specifically, like, I remember where I was in the room singing some of these songs, looking to my right. And there's a guy that had to have been in his late 80s mm-hmm. with his arm around a guy that had to have been in his early 20s, yeah. drinking a beer, singing these songs together, both crying, mm-hmm. thinking, all right, there's something deeply ecumenical about what mm-hmm. we're experiencing here. And I'm, I'm curious, was that the goal when you set out to do this or did that surprise you or is that somewhere in between? I, I think the, the goal was to get in touch with these songs again mm-hmm. and also build community around it. Yeah, Those are probably right. my two, at least personally, was mm-hmm. just a chance to like gather my friends to play some music again right. and do it in a way that sort of helps us find our way in a new way in our faith journey. Mm, yeah, and and so for other people to get to experience that too is the really great part. Yeah. Whether you're, I kind of joke, we're like 21 to 91. Like right. there's, they, we are very multi-generational. Yeah. Uh, our, our gatherings are very multi-generational in that way. And that's, and that's one of the things I love about it is because those, those two people in your story, their original understanding of these songs were completely different totally, when they right. walked in the room. Right. The 81-year-old man probably didn't even need the hymnal. Yep. <laughs> right. And the right. 21-year-old probably never heard the song. Like, the elevation or knew the this? melody. Right. The yeah, elevation exactly. Right. This. <laughs> but then when we sing it together and when mm-hmm. we leave space for, for things to move, now they've found common ground again right. that maybe that common ground can then foster some sort of relationship or some sort of faith journey that alters either one of their journeys yeah um and maybe it's together yep. maybe they were from the same church yep. but hadn't met before maybe they the 21 year old lives in the neighborhood where the 81 year old goes to church or lives mm-hmm. so i think that's really the community part that has been really great too is um we really intentionally shy away from a particular church affiliation yeah right we don't i don't we don't open in prayer we don't 
ticket Just offering say, or there's anything. no like sponsored by no. stamp anywhere. But no. if, if someone asks, I can say like, hey, there's probably eight pastors of some kind in the room right uh-huh. now. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you just kind of walk around and make a friend, you're probably going to bump into someone who's a leader at a church or affiliated with a church in some way. That if you know if you were looking, you or if you had questions, they would be more than happy. Yeah, I'm super excited. You're going to stay with us for another segment. Before we go to break, tell us where, tell us when. What are the details? If someone right now is like, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, tonight and tomorrow night, Thursday night and Friday night uh, at Blackberry Market. Tonight in Lagrange, they have a new location. Our friends at Blackberry have been amazing. Yes. They've been hosting us since the beginning. Uh, they have become great partners in this, and they have a new location in Lagrange. Um, and I can find the address and stuff for that, of course, for, mm-hmm. for what we're doing next. But yes, uh, in LaGrange, then tomorrow night, Friday night in Glen Ellen is kind of our home away from home, so mm-hmm. to speak. They've been hosting us in Glen Ellen for, since our first gathering, yep. and we'll be there tomorrow night, 730. Doors open in both places. Yeah, that's awesome. Beer, Beer and him, Chicago.com. You can get all that info. Beer too. and him, Chicago. Well, Nathan's going to stay with us to kind of talk more about the heart behind Beer and him, Chicago, uh, and a few other things. That's what we're going to do next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Back to the Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined in studio again by Nathan Baker-Lutz. Nathan is here to talk about Beer and Him Chicago. We got In the last segment, we did a lot of the background. But just in case you missed it, tonight at 7.30 at the Blackberry Market in LaGrange at 36 South LaGrange Road, uh, Beer and Him's is taking place. And then tomorrow night at 7.30, Friday night, uh, at the Blackberry Market in Glen Ellen and Main Street and Hillside right there at 7.30 p.m. as well. All are welcome. No uh, cover or anything, by the way. People ask that question Free. all the time. Yeah, no no cover. We um, we might pass the hat tonight just to see what happens. But Yeah, um, yeah and tonight, uh, Beer and Him, we're doing all Christmas carols tonight. So oh, we're going to get into awesome. the holiday spirit. We're doing Beer and Carols officially. So we'll, we'll dust off all your favorite Christmas songs and... Uh, we'll dim the lights at the end, just like your favorite That's uh, awesome. Christmas Eve service. <laughs> so yeah, we're doing all Christmas carols tonight and tomorrow night, uh, both at Blackberry Market. Cool. I, I want to ask you something completely off the reservation, then we'll get back to Beer and Hymns, because you reminded us when you came in that you're the videographer for the World Series champion Washington Nationals. Yes. I just very briefly want to know what that ride was like. That <laughs> yeah. had to be really cool. It was a lot of fun, a lot of work uh, by everyone, both on my team and in the organization, but yeah. it was really great to get to experience uh, as a newcomer to the team. This is my first season. With, oh, wow. Uh, they don't always the win the World Series. Yeah, no. uh, I, I will have an adjustment next year i'm sure yeah. as, yeah, if no things kidding. don't go our way but it, it was it was an awesome experience to for the team to if you don't follow uh, sports especially in dc the baseball team uh, on may 24th was the second worst in the national league yeah we were 1931 wow. and we went on to make the wild card game and then win eight of the 11 games you need to win on the road wow. uh we uh were behind in every game that we That's won so in the playoffs and uh, it was a really wild ride to get to to follow this team. And as you start at spring training, then go all the way to October thirtieth. It's uh, wild. Yeah, you see a lot and have a great time. Every now and then you watch teams and you're like, oh, something magical's happening right you there because they it, just right? keep winning right. these games they yeah. shouldn't win. So totally. And then you know it's really fun when. Uh, you get text messages from friends that are like, I saw you on TV. And my role as a videographer, you know, I got to run onto the field and be in the clubhouse and experience all of that, that great stuff. That is so cool. And so I, I, I do my best to stay out of the background of all the important interviews uh-huh. and, and video happening on field, but it was a really great time to get to 
to experience that in such a unique way. The, the perspective I have now is a lifelong baseball fan. Right. The, the perspective I have now, both on how a baseball game just in general happens, all the moving pieces for that, and then also uh, the hard work and dedication that so many people have to have to, yeah. to make that goal hmm. a reality uh, is a perspective that I will keep with me for a long time. Well, it's funny because we were actually together for Game 7 here in Chicago, weren't we? That's yeah, right. when in, the Cubs uh, won the World Series. Yeah, we were hanging out, and uh, that was an equally <laughs> nauseating day. I um, rewatched the video recently. We yeah. all looked nauseated. Yeah. That's funny. It, uh, it, it, but for a different reason. As someone who grew up in Chicago, I've been a Cubs fan for a long time. And I, did, I just tell people in D.C. that I now have a second favorite baseball team. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I never tell them which is now. <laughs> That's smart. Well, we're in Chicago now, so yes. we'll let people yeah. draw their own conclusions. All right, so one of the things that I find so interesting for people that have been doing beer and hymns for a long time yep. Uh, if I talk about you, which comes up a lot when talking about beer and hymns, because you were a lot of you know the inspiration here mm-hmm. in Chicago, people have no idea that you live out of state now. And so when I tell yeah, people I that you've, to... you've right, which I totally get now, I'm telling everyone on the radio. But <laughs> but the thing that always always kind of bubbles to the surface is that when people find out that you still fly back and are part of this, they'll almost always say some version of, "Well, he must really care about this, mm. or he must really believe yeah, in this. Like he must really see this isn't for Nate. This isn't just like." Oh, this is a fun event to do while I'm in town. It's like, no, this, this is something valuable. I'm curious. One, why, why does this resonate so deeply with you personally? And why do you think it continues to resonate so deeply with people, whether they're churched or de-churched or unchurched or in the middle of their own deconstruction? Like, what is the thing that makes this thing so appealing? Yeah, well, I certainly wouldn't have been able to do it here without one of my best friends, Josh Rocket, mm-hmm. who kind of co-started with me and the connections we made at BlackBerry. And then all the people like Ian and other friends who have committed to playing in the band. Uh, we started... Uh, a gathering uh, downtown at Uncommon Ground that uh, a mutual friend of Ian's eye has started to lead on his own that I haven't had to come back for. Yes, so, which have been but, awesome. I played for him yeah, too. Right. Yep. So there, there. This isn't. You know, that's part of why I didn't want to tell anyone that I don't live in the state anymore. Mm. It's because I don't. It's not really about me being there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm just like a loud, tall guy <laughs> that is super extroverted, right? Like I joke that on the right. on the Myers Briggs, I'm an E E E E. I don't. That's, uh, that's I, the noise he makes at Beer and Hymns, actually. Just me. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But and I think that, honestly, that's part of what makes me so motivated to do it. Is mm. I have uh, fostered really great relationships through mm. Beer and Hymns, mm. both here in Chicago and also in the people I've met who do it in other places. They become a really great community for me of of people that love and care about me and what we're doing and to be able to just create that space for other people to have that Mm. is really what it's about for me and then for that to be evolving around something that's rooted in such a deep faith tradition yeah uh, right goes a long way for me and i think allows people to build a foundation of whatever relationship or community they build on something uh, that's like positive and a good experience and also like actually worth building a foundation on like yeah. oh we have common interests mm-hmm. we have common faith we like those are the things that i think community built on goes a really long way and that's what's been happening with beer and hands yeah it's true i'm curious ian brought it up there i thought that there might be people there who are unchurched de-churched totally. uh, is that kind of your guys experience and how does this help them or kind of yeah what is it what is their kind of experience there when we were talking earlier ian mentioned that kind of <clears throat> Uh, unofficial register we kind of mm-hmm. passed around. and a couple people wrote like i haven't been to church in a long time but wow. maybe i will now right um and because of where we meet like i think you could if you lived in wheaton or glen ellen or that area and you trick-or-treated exclusively at churches 
you would get a pretty good haul. You would. In that, like, there are a lot of churches yes. in that area. And so I think that's it's what's true. really great about it, too, is that mm. um, we can build a community and network of people that are across denominations and different churches in those neighborhoods where uh, maybe they wouldn't have that mm-hmm. that time or opportunity in other ways. So, right. uh, yeah, so we get people who are who don't need the hymnal and... They know every word and know every harmony. That's that that may be the most <laughs> underrated part of, of beer and, and beer and carols for the next yeah. nights. Is there are people it's who true. will belt out the harmony parts like they have the hymnal in their hand and a piano and like in their ear. Like I've never heard awesome. anything like it before. It, and so really? it, there yeah. are so many times like I really kind of hate the trope of like the okay now the acapella chorus to really hammer <laughs> home the emotion. But there are times where I'm like, man, just shut up. Right, yeah. we need it's to like, hear these let voices. Let it roll and. Yeah. That and those are the moments that you just say, like, okay, there's something moving here, regardless of where you're from or what church you go to that's or right. how old you are. You felt it, and that's all we're really going for. Mm. So, if you're just joining us, I want to make sure to hit this a couple of times. Beerandhimchicago.com, both at Blackberry Market, one tonight in LaGrange, tomorrow at Glen Ellen. Blackberry Market has two locations. They've been wonderful partners with us. Yes, the you, best cinnamon roll you'll ever have. Serious, yeah, seriously, legitimately, there. even if you can't make it tonight or tomorrow, head to a Blackberry Market wherever you're at. But you mentioned earlier, maybe off air, that we're still open to other musicians showing up? Is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah. We So, again, uh, tonight and tomorrow night we're doing uh, carols only. So it's kind of holiday season, so we're doing beer and carols. Right. Um, and if there's anyone out there with a mandolin or a banjo or some other fun instrument. Or an accordion they, they maybe. Wanna, or, yeah, yeah. If they want to pop in and, and join us, we'll have kind of basic chord charts and plenty of songbooks. And uh, we encourage you to come out and... You know, and grab the beverage of your choice. Yeah. And <laughs> a spritzer if you want. And that's the other great part, too. Like that's right. Beer in, uh, Blackberry Market, they sell wine and they sell great coffee and yeah. anything else you might want. They, a nice unsweetened iced tea. They, yes. And, you know, that's true. Uh, warning is like they usually kind of close up a little early to prep for us coming in. But okay. if you want to go and have a meal, like if you get there at 5 or 5.30, they have great food and uh, the staff are great. Blackberry Market awesome. has been an amazing host for us. Yeah, so again, Beer and Him Chicago, tonight at 7.30 at 36 South LaGrange at the Blackberry Market there in LaGrange. Tomorrow night, Friday night, also at 7.30 p.m., uh, it will be at the Blackberry Market in downtown Glen Ellen, Main Street, and Hillside uh, right there. I guess it just struck me, you live in Washington, D.C. Now, does this exist out there, too? Yeah, I've done a couple, Beer and Him's D.C. Yeah. Um, it's uh, As I'm kind of building community there, we're starting to roll strolly. There's a... Sorry, roll slowly into that. There's a, a group that meets in Northern Virginia uh-huh. that does a great job at a brewery out there. Um, and they're all over the country, too. So, if, uh, you know, I, you wouldn't have to drive too far to find someone doing something like this nearby. But Could so someone I, just Google beer and hymns near me? Is, um, that, is it at that point? Or how I, would think, they? I think what the best thing maybe would be just search like beer and hymns in your nearest big city hmm. and see what happens. And the easiest, the best part is, is like... If there isn't one, just do it. Yep. Start hosting it, Yeah, right? that would just be a whole other segment. But yeah, we're doing all <laughs> Christmas carols tonight. We're going to sing all your favorite Christmas carols. Uh, maybe some Mariah Carey, and we're going to have a great time. I'm in. No. I'm out. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> well, Nathan, thank you so much for coming out and joining us. I uh, I, I hope the Nats have a, a step down this year, and the Nets kind of overtake. Uh, of course they do. That, right. yeah. uh, we really hope tonight goes well and tomorrow Thanks. night goes well, and uh, we're excited. That, again, is beerandhimchicago.com. You can get all the information right there. Uh, for Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. That music can only mean one thing. It is the end of the show. It It is? It is the interweb insanity. It is just craziness. 
But before we do that, you and I have saved all of what we call liners, kind of the commercials. We've saved them all to the end, so we are going to run through them. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm going to go first. All right. As we prepare to celebrate the most important birth in history, we also rejoice that Focus on the Family Option Ultrasound Program has helped save the lives, listen to this, of an estimated 425,000 preborn children. Whoa, really? For a limited time, your friends of the ministry will double your donation. So give now to help Focus on the Family do even more good works in 2020. Learn more at 1160hope.com slash family or call 1-800-A-FAMILY. That's 1-800-A-FAMILY. All right. So this is tomorrow, and I've been talking about it a lot. So the uh, the metal band Disciple, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you've gone and listened to yet or not. I have not. Seeing them live is a completely different experience. Anyway, so we've partnered with Go Promoters, which is a promotion company that I've been involved with for a long time. And uh, at Q Bar in Glendale Heights, December 6th, on their Love Letter Kill Shot Tour, Disciple's going to be there, and they're going to be sharing their faith throughout the concert. So the whole point, the whole vision, is to bring a friend who normally wouldn't otherwise like go to a church or a church service. So here's the extra kicker. Because we're partnering with them, uh, you can get a free ticket for your friend. Just go to wow. 1160hope.com slash disciple. Get your free ticket. And tickets for you are available just for $10 at itickets.com. So I love the vision for that. Invite a friend that you know is like, alright, they might not ever come to a church thing, but They'll have a beer with me and listen to a metal band, and they're going to intentionally be kind of be sharing their story and their faith, and I think it's a remarkable thing. Awesome. Uh, so recently, my wife and I, we were, we got my pillow sheets and towels and pillows. It's also and very metal. are yeah. awesome, and I would encourage you. So with that in mind, I've got an exclusive offer for our listeners just in time for the holidays. If you buy a set of Giza cotton sheets from MyPillow, you're going to get a second set free. That's two for one. Not only that, but you'll get free shipping. And if you add anything else, like a pillow, a mattress topper, a towel, anything, you're going to get free shipping as well. Hmm. Common good listeners can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, but you've got to use the promo code WYLL. So go to MyPillow.com, put in the promo code WYLL, or call 1-800-489-0201. All right, we're going to run out of time, but i got one more for you. Since 1964, how old were you in 64? I was negative 13 years old. Yeah, you were. The Chicago Leadership Prayer Breakfast has brought together leaders of all faiths from the business, government, and nonprofit world. So you can join. That's right. You. I personally. You personally and anyone listening. Now we're in the future. Over 600 Chicago leaders in prayer with AM 1160. Breakfast chairs uh, Marty Ozinga the fourth. Is that right? It is. I reading is the fourth. Roman noodles correctly. (laughs) All right. Ozinga IV and his brother Paul Ozinga. You can hear keynote speaker Dr. Nicholas Pierce, associate pastor of Apostolic Faith Church at the Chicago Hilton on December 6th at 7.30 a.m. Uh, tickets for the 2019 Chicago Leadership Prayer Breakfast. You can buy them. They're $100 or $1,000 for a table and are available on Eventbrite or at csec.org. At csec.org. All right. Nailed it. North Carolina. <laughs> North Carolina man billed $2,300 for walking into emergency room for cat scratch. Oh, boy. Cheyenne Patil of Charlotte said he was scratched by a cat outside his home. Since it drew blood, his doctor said he should go to the ER to get a rabies shot just in case. While waiting at the ER, he said he Googled the cost for rabies <laughs> vaccinations and was stunned by results. Oh, boy. He also said the nurses and doctors at the ER were unable to provide him a cost estimate. But a few months later, he was billed $2,300 for a Ooh. level three emergency visit. <laughs> 
All right, Indiana. Oh, gosh, it's still going. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just start reading the other one. See, i got to read over it. Indiana police seeking man with crime pays tattooed on forehead. Y'all have to see this photo. Crime doesn't pay is a time-honored axiom uh, among law enforcement agencies. An Indiana man who led police on a vehicle chase Friday night apparently has a different opinion and is tattooed on his forehead. His forehead? His forehead. Forehead. Authorities say. That was real. Yeah. Stupid. Yep, we're going to get all these in, man. Yeah, we're doing Here we go. Florida. Hey, oh. Shark knocks seven-year-old boy off his surfboard. That's terrifying. The father and son went into the water at New Smyrna Beach on Saturday with their boards. Moore said that uh, Chandler was surfing since he was the age of four. They spotted a wave to ride. He gave his son a push on the board. As Chandler stood and steadied himself on the board, he was knocked down by something. I was just surfing, and then I saw two fish. I thought the thing that hit me was a fish, but guess what it was? It was a shark. Terrifying. You're going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. All right, Nebraska. Zoo workers complain that polar bear gets longer maternity leave than employees. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that one really caught me off guard. Employees at a zoo in Omaha, Nebraska, are protesting their employer's maternity leave policy. It started when Minnie, the zoo's polar bear and feature attraction, gave birth to her son Thor. Maternity leave for the zoo's animals is 12 weeks, while maternity leave for employees is only three days. I tried to get an interview with him, but they said, nope, you can't do that. He's a live bear. He will literally rip your face off. (laughs) Three days is not enough, by the way. That is really funny. Last one out of Tennessee. McDonald's employee turns 92, says he has no plans to retire. A McDonald's worker recently celebrated an important birthday. Uh, He's been working at the company for more than two decades, but he can also now say he's one of the oldest employees to wear the uniform. Despite turning 92 years old on Saturday, Ike Baker has no plans of retiring. In fact, he says he wants to serve for another 10 years. (laughs) One trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville. I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville. Which is what they call Shelbyville in those keeps days. On going. So I tied an onion uh, to my belt, which was the style true, at point. the time. No, uh, to take the ferry cost a nickel. And in all the clips, and in those all the liners, nickels had pictures going. of bumblebees on <laughs> of them. All the shows. Give me five peas for, for a quarter. This particular to drop. Say. Talking to Rick Now, where were we? Oh, <laughs> yeah. The important thing oh was that I had an onion on my belt, well, which was a style at the time. They didn't have it's white onions I remember. Yeah. because of the war. It's the only thing you could get was oh those my big gosh. yellow ones. <laughs> Did it repeat that I, I don't know? <laughs> and the funny thing is, you and I just rushed through that so fast. Yeah. And we had the longest, air, we had the oh, longest well. clip ever. Hey, guess who's on the show tomorrow? Rick Warren. Rick Warren. And Dave Sanders Life. and Debbie Sanders. That's also true. Like my mentors. It's going to be people. a good day tomorrow, man. Yeah, it's it going to be a good day. And Selah. So we've got a lot going on tomorrow. Yeah, we do. Join us tomorrow from 4 to 6. For Ian Simpkins, I'm Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life.